All right, everybody, welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Today, we're going to continue our study of the summer of 1984. We are working our way track by track today through the Footloose album. My name is Jason Colvin, and let's hear it for my boy, D. Graves. My boy. My, my boy. Okay. Now, listen, man, I realize this is almost paradise, but I'm not holding out for a hero here, okay? I'm free. I'm footloose and fancy free. <laughs> All right. We're going to go track by track today through one of the biggest selling albums in 1984. Okay. So I just want to talk real quick about 1984 and leading up to the summer of 1984. Okay. This album came out in January of that year. The movie came out in February of that year. A couple right. months later, Breakin' comes out and... I was a breakdancing fool <laughs> in second grade. I had my own sheet of cardboard. I'd go dance in the streets, literally dance in the streets, doing the dolphin and the centipede and the wave. And had my own move called the electric shock where I laid down and shook like I was being electrocuted. <laughs> it was a big crowd pleaser for the little second grader. You know you're serious when you have your own sheet of cardboard. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to do your head spin. <laughs> <laughs> When I went to watch this movie, I was in love. I'm like, this is so up my alley. I wasn't super big into the kind of I'm free dance that he was doing in the warehouse. That was a little too ballet and gymnastics for me. Okay. But some of those guys, the dances that they were doing were rock on, cool, a break dancing. You know, the last scene where they're dancing at the prom, yep. they actually went, I think we talked about this in our previous episode, they yep. went to LA clubs found guys that were really cool dancers, pulled them out, put them in a corny tuxedo and said, you're a high school kid, now break dance. Loved it. And yeah. I th- it was a big craze back then. I mean, like every I, parachute pants and bandanas and all that good stuff. I had my boom box. My break dancing name was Dr. Fresh. <laughs> <laughs> I still use that. Like when I've got it, when kids are like, dad, would you want your name to be on the Xbox? I'm like, Dr. Fresh. <laughs> uh, cool Mo D, right? There okay. you go. Awesome. All right. So we got to jump into this album because there's so many awesome songs, so many awesome artists that we've got to talk about. Yeah. But before we do that, let's just talk about the name of the song, which is the name of the movie, of course. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Footloose was, as we mentioned in our last episode, written by Dean Pitchford, right? Yeah. This was his first screenplay and he had no idea what to call it. He had, like you mentioned, he had called it cheek to cheek, but that was not really anything he ever intended to call it. And so he had a bunch of names that he liked, but he was like, I'm just going to write down everything I can. And so he would, he'd fill the pages with potential names of the movies. Footloose came up on day two. Wow. And so he has, you know, these pages and pages of names. He looks over them all and picks out four that are his favorites. But at that point, Footloose was what he wanted to call the movie. But he takes it and he puts Footloose by Dean Pitchford. And then he takes three other names and he takes those names to the producers and he puts Footloose at the bottom of the stack. Okay. And this is all deliberate, right? Yeah. And so they're looking at it and they're like, hmm. Okay, first name, second name. Okay, all right. Third name. Uh, okay. Gets to Footloose by Dean Pitchford, and they say, we love it. Uh-huh. And he was so excited because that was it. And there's something about the word. I mean, it doesn't mean anything, but it's still... Well, it comes from Footloose and Fancy Free. Right. Now, tell me exactly where did Elmore City Prom fall in the title options? I don't think that was inspiration. <laughs> Dang it! I think he just was excited about all of those O's. And it looks great. It does. It, it looks it jumps out at you. It's, it leaps off the billboard or the album or 
whatever. So he had the name of the movie before there was ever a movie and before there was ever a song. And it's actually interesting. He's creating a movie around the idea of great songs. Yeah. If you don't have great songs, you don't have a movie. Should we jump in now? Well, the one thing I wanted to cover before we get into track by track. Yeah. Footloose was one of the only five albums of 1984 to hit number one. Mm-hmm. So you had Thriller, you had Footloose, yep. you had Huey Lewis's Sports, yep. you had Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA, uh-huh. and then you had Purple Rain, of course. Which we're going to be covering next week. Come back next week as we go track by track through Purple Rain. And everybody knows how iconic Purple Rain is, but keep in mind, this album held the number one spot for 10 weeks in that year of those big hitters. If you were to tell me that this was one of the best soundtracks of the 1980s or maybe ever, I, don't, I wouldn't argue with you. No. Song after song after song, this is an incredible album. It's pop gold. All right, we ready to dive in? Yeah, let's dive in. Diving in. First track, kick off your Sunday shoes. This is Footloose. Dude, that is a slamming hit right out of the gates. Okay, so the first drum beat, I got to say this, totally reminds me of Hey Mickey, You're So Fun. Yeah, okay, I can see that. And it was, I mean, that came out 82. That was right, I mean, it was big on the charts right around the time that this song was getting written, which, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so we know that this song is by Dean Pitchford, right? We know that he's, this is the key ingredient to the movie that he's written, that he's, you know, this is my, this is my first venture into screenwriting, and it almost didn't happen. Right. So Kenny Loggins is big at this point. He's done Caddyshack. But in January, January 20th, 1983, Kenny Loggins is at a concert in Provo, Utah, and the lights get dimmed so that he can come out on the stage and he doesn't see where he's going and he steps off the stage onto the floor and breaks ribs. He rescheduled the concert, but he's in the hospital and he's about to leave the US and go to Asia and Dean Pitchford's like freaking out. He's like, what am I going to do? And so the guys are like, you should fly to him in Tahoe and you guys write the songs over there. He's like, great. And he wakes up the morning, he's supposed to fly out and he's running 101 degree temperature. He's got strep throat. And he's like, there's no way he's going to let me in his room with his wife and his kids and his injured body when I've got this strep throat. I mean, the guy's about to go perform concerts in China. There's not, this is, you know, what do we, he just lies. <laughs> I'm feeling fine. <laughs> Sorry. We should mention that he had previously worked with Kenny Loggins and Steve Perry mm-hmm. when he wrote that song, Don't Fight It. Yep. Which was kind of a modest hit, number 17. Yeah, that's good. No, that's a great song. So let's talk real quick. We don't get to do a full history, I think, on Kenny Loggins in any other episode. So I'm going to do a quick brief one, right? Okay. So Kenny learned to play guitar by stealing his brother, Dan. Danny's song, stealing his guitar while he was away at work. He'd go practice his guitar, and that's how he learned to play. Decided that he would become a songwriter when he saw his two brothers writing songs, and ultimately ended up doing pretty well. Wrote for Barbara Streisand and Star is Born, which is how he met... The producer of Caddyshack, John Peters. John Peters. And that's how he got involved with Caddyshack. And that's how he came up with the hit. I'm all right. Which got him started down the road of movie making magic. Yes. 
But before he got there, he had been a good songwriter for a lot of other folks. So the first song that he wrote was a song called House at Pooh Corner, okay? Back then, songwriters would get together, they'd hang out. He hung out with some guys from the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band who weren't really even very big at that point either. And they liked his song. They had a record deal. They're gonna, it looks like this thing's going to happen. His, he's like super excited. song I wrote when I was 17 is going to become my first recorded song until I get a call. And they're like, the Disney lawyers are not going to let this happen. It's like, ah. Oh. And so he goes out on a date that night with his girlfriend. And she's like, what's wrong? And she's like, man, I thought my first big song was going to get recorded, um, but it's got Winnie the Pooh. And I guess like somebody said something about copyright and Disney and I don't, you know, I don't, I guess it's not going to happen. And she's like, oh, well, let me give daddy a call. Her dad was the CEO of the Walt Disney Company, <laughs> greenlighted the song. Wow. And the rest is history. Wow. How about that? Yeah. It ends up on the nitty, gr- nitty gritty dirt bands uh, album, Uncle Charlie and his dog, Teddy, which was the album that had Mr. Bojangles and of course House at Pooh Corner and suddenly he's meeting all kinds of people including this guy uh, who used to play for Buffalo Springfield named Jim Messina. Okay. So Loggins gets together with Messina. Messina's been around for a year or two longer so he knows the ropes and he's going to produce Kenny's first album but they sound so good together and Messina does so much work on it. They call the album Kenny Loggins with Jim Messina sitting in Clive Davis, who we've mentioned before, Aerosmith episode and a couple of others, he listens to this and he says, listen, you guys are too good to do this only once. He goes, I want to sign you to a six year, many songs as you'll give me deal. And I really think, and they're both like hesitant, especially Messina, who is wanting to do different stuff. He's like, just sleep on it. Well, he slept on it. They did it. And they produced gobs of good hits through the 70s. But ultimately, as with many young artists, they started hating each other to the point that they're doing a live recording. Uh, You know, they're doing their kind of setup. And Kenny gets so mad, he chunks his microphone into the stands. No audience members there, but chunks into the stands, walks out. Jim comes over to him. He says, listen, I've been through this before. And I want to end this before we hate each other. And it was the best thing he could have said because it's, they ended it then, remained friends, ultimately, both of them obviously super successful guys, but that's what leads into the soundtrack with Caddyshack, and that's what leads into the soundtrack with Footloose. So the song Footloose is the biggest and only number one hit for Kenny Loggins. So when he hooks up with Kenny Loggins, you know, strep throat, broken rib, he's got to get this in before he flies to Asia. They knock out a few things. He wants to be able to go back to them and say, okay, we're on it. We've got it. And they did. They had the gist of it. They finished it up later with the whole Milo and Uwe Marie and all that stuff. Marie is Dean Pitchford's mom's name. Is that right? Yeah. They, okay. they threw that in. Kenny Loggins liked the way that Milo sounded. And so that's how we got Jack Get Back. We got that list of names with those. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that is awesome. There's one part in the song that I want to talk about. I don't know what to call it, but they it rises in like tension. Okay. I'll play it right here. All right.
So that's Beatles all over the place. Think okay. about, you think about the end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off when he's singing Twist and Shout. That's that that same exact build. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, uh, uh, up the scale and everybody's attention's rising. That's straight on Beatles. Love it. And then you get this great yell. I'm turning it loose. Yeah. And then right back into the to the chorus. It's it's super good. Love this one. This one was released. January 11th, 1984, mm-hmm. reached number one, March 31st, 1984, spent three weeks at number one. And this is definitely one of the songs that helped knock Thriller out of its number one spot. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk about the video real quick. Okay. Okay. The video pulls straight out of the middle of the movie and it's the rage dance. Right. And it's the same, It, it just the same thing that Purple Rain did, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. all kinds, it's like a extended preview of the movie. Yeah, and it gives you a taste. So, hey, this movie's coming out. This looks like a lot of fun. Right. Here's the weird thing. Yeah. Footloose is played three times in the movie. Okay. The opening credits. Yes. Where you have the feet. All it is is the feet moving yeah. around. Yeah. By the way, the gold sneakers, that's Kenny Loggins' feet. Right. Okay. Yeah. They play it in the middle when they're at the country bar. Yeah, the country bar. Yeah. Okay. Then they play it at the end for the prom and let's dance and yep. the party. Yep. And that whole thing is awesome. The problem is, they don't play it during the Rage Dance scene. Right, 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 right. What you saw in the video on MTV was not what you were seeing whenever the song was playing there. So it's a complete, yeah. It was a As shift. a kid, I was like, wait wait a minute. It's the wrong song. They, they got the wrong reel up top or something's <laughs> messed up. The wrong song. But they do save it for the end, and it works out awesome. Yep. All right, D, so we want to point out this soundtrack contained six Billboard Top 40 hits. Yes. Okay. Three reached the top 10. Yes. Two reached number one. Yes. This is one of those. This is one of those. Next song, let's hear it for the boy. So this is the other number one song. Yes, this was released February 14th, 1984, reached number one, May 26th, 1984. So this song, again, was written by Dean Pitchford, along with Tom Snow, who had written a slew of big hits. Tell me, lay it on me. She's So Shy by the Pointer Sisters. She's so shy. (laughs) Keep going. Getting Ready for Love by Bonnie Raitt, Love Sneaking Up on You by Leo Sayer, and Don't Know My... (laughs) <laughs> but I know I love you. Oh, Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, a little Aaron Neville. Um, so they worked together to write the song. And then, of course, Denise Williams is the one that sang the song. Here's what I know about Denise Williams. She was a gospel singer. She's a soul singer. So she was the backup singer for Stevie Wonder on the song Wonder Love. Yep. Also sang backup for Roberta Flack's 1975 album, Feel Like Making Love. Feel Like Making... Is that one? I think that was a different version. That was uh, Bad Company. Okay. (laughs) Still the day I die, baby. (laughs) Okay, one of the things I forgot to mention to you, Denise Williams actually sang on a song that is kind of close to your and my heart. Okay. Uh, you may recognize her from this song right here. What would we do, baby, without us? 
Yes, so Family Ties. It's awesome. Yeah, Denise Williams sang that song with Johnny Mathis. It's the theme song for Family Ties. Yeah. The backup singers for Denise Williams on this song uh-huh. are a guy named George Merrill and a woman named Shannon Rubicon. They had one giant hit in the late 80s called Waiting for a Starter. So Dean Pitchford and Tom Snow, for the scene that Let's Hear It For The Boy comes up, they had written a song, but it was called Somebody's Eyes. And when Herb Ross heard it, he was like, this is not the right song for this scene. We're going to talk about that song here in just a minute. Yes. It's still in the soundtrack, but it's not. it was not the song that was supposed to be in that scene. And so they said, okay, well, let's get back together. Let's try to write something. And they came up with the line first. Let's hear it for the boy. They write this upbeat song around that title. And that's how we get this song. It's amazing. That's why this song and Somebody's Eyes, the drum beat is exactly the same. Because every time they did the dance montage at the end of the day with Kevin Bacon and Chris Penn, it was set to Somebody's Eyes. But when they realized that that tone didn't fit, they just swapped them out. And this was the last song added to the album. And in fact, they were like, crap, we need to write another song really quick because we're ready to go. We need to plug and play here. And so it was like pressure, 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 Ray Parker Jr.'s <laughs> Ghostbusters type of thing. Right. And Or uh, pour some sugar on me. Right. Or we need another song. Hurry. Dude looks like a lady or a <laughs> hundred other songs. But that's awesome. That I didn't realize that they had been using one song and had to change it out, but they kept the beat the same. That's brilliant. My mind is blown. Great. Awesome. Job. Awesome. How about this? Let me blow your mind some more. Okay. okay? We talked earlier in our previous episodes about how Madonna auditioned for this role. Yeah. Okay. She didn't get it, Uh which, man, that's right before she blew up. I mean, if she's in this movie as Ariel, could you see her singing this song? I was talking to our buddy James Buckley and we were going back and forth about the 80s possibility of Tom Cruise and Madonna being in these roles uh-huh. and then maybe Madonna singing a song like this it's that fun alternate universe we alternate like to think about universe yep I like how this movie or this song is about this guy is a total schlub but I love him anyway <laughs> he can't dance he can't sing he's poor but yeah. I still like him yeah okay I got one more thing for you you ready for this okay in the video Denise Williams is singing with a little boy. She, he was in the corner. He had a dunce cap on. Uh-huh. She removes the dunce cap, and she's like, oh, you come with me, and let's hear it for my baby, right? Yeah. And he is in a tux. This a little kid. Yep. What is he, five or six or seven? Something like that. He's dancing around. He's got a top hat on. That little boy, his name is Aaron Lore. Uh-huh. He grows up to marry Idina Menzel. Oh, wow. From Wicked and Glee and... Uh, she sang Let It Go. Yeah, and Frozen. And Frozen, yes. Let it go, let it go. I one with the wind and sky. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Now that's some deep cuts right there. How about baby. that? That you're not going to hear anywhere else. Wow. Nice job. Yes. Or as John Travolta calls her, the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazeen. (laughs) 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 
She said that when she went to see this movie, had that scene, had she been picking the scenes that her song would appear in, she would have picked the scene because it's so perfect. And it is. It is spot on the best song to put with that montage scene of Chris Penn learning how to dance. Yeah. 80s were great for music montages. <laughs> yes. Straight out of rock. Okay. Track number three. Almost Paradise. I thought that dreams belonged to other men Cause each time I got close They'd fall apart again I feared my heart would beat in Okay, so why don't we get the lead singer for Loverboy and the lead singer for Heart together and see how they sound. Holy crap. Their voices blend so amazingly well. There, really, that was a home run of getting those two singers at that time in the eighties. Yeah, Mike Reno, Loverboy, that was the peak of their powers. Oh, absolutely, and this was kind of the beginning of his soundtrack career as well. I mean, he also had it. I mean, talk about going along with Kenny Loggins. He had Heaven in Your Eyes from Top, Top Gun. Gun. Yeah, he had Chasing the Angels on Iron Eagle Two. He <laughs> had Whenever There's a Night from Dream a Little Dream. I mean, he was rocking up the charts for all of the eighties. This is right before Hearts revitalization. Oh yeah, because I mean, classic they were kind of, rock stations came along, and we were hearing all kinds of Heart on classic rock. You've got '70s Heart, like Barracuda and Magic Man, and all that. Yep. And then you've got '80s Heart, which is These Dreams and Never and Alone and all those songs. This was the bridge between those two. Absolutely. And Wilson may have the greatest female rock voice of all time. She is phenomenal. Yeah. She's absolutely phenomenal. So this one, Dean Pitchford wrote with Eric Carmen, who is another icon in the songwriting world, wrote a song on Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. Right, the, the flip of this movie, right? Hungry Eyes, yeah. yeah. The song was written in one day, in one 12-hour sitting. So they went to visit Herb Ross in his studio. They had a piano set up in his office. And when they showed up, they said, well, we, we've got a song we think might be good for the love theme, right? So they sat down. And Eric Carmen sang the male part. She sang the female part, the Ann Wilson part. And when they were done, Herb Ross took a deep breath and he said, I think you've written a classic. It's getting closer, closer every day. In 1984, this was the song that got couples to the middle of the skate floor, skating backwards with your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I can't skate backwards. I would just dance in a circle at the gymnasium. <laughs> One of the interesting things I thought is they were working with the idea of religion and freedom and sort of the wrestling of the two that's in the story Footloose, right? Uh-huh. And so they they thought about making a song about salvation or redemption. You know, they're kind of working with these spiritual words, and that's how they landed on Almost Paradise, We're Knocking on Heaven's Door. Love it. Okay. This song was released May of 1984, reached number seven. This is the third top 10 hit. Third of three. By the way, when they were filming the movie, the song that they had originally intended to plug in where Almost Paradise was, uh-huh. was the Foreigner song, I've Been Waiting for a Girl Like You. Oh, I love that song. I love that song. But this song's the right song. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So Pitchard says he remembers their 
sitting there with Carmen and tossing out lines and coming up with, I thought that dreams belong to other men because each time I get close, they'd fall apart again. And he was like, that's great. That was really, really good. And he's sitting there and he says, oh, how about this? I feared my heart would beat in secrecy. And Carmen jumps up from the keyboard, runs over, hugs him and says, that's great. <laughs> That's one of the most brilliant lines I've ever heard. And he says, we've got a lot to do more. We, we've got to do a lot more of this writing. And it was that line, the I feared my heart would beat in secrecy that was sort of the thing that joined them at the hip after that point. All right, D, we done with Almost Paradise. Well. Couples move back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, D, you ready for the next song? I've been holding out for it. <laughs> No, seriously, I have. This is my favorite song on the entire album. Let's play it. All right. <laughs> this, song, this song's freaking awesome. Okay, so listen to the build. Listen to the build. Listen to the build. Listen to the harmonies coming in. Build harmony, build harmony, and then the drums. Oh, my gosh. Now, this song, I remember talking to you, and you were like, I don't know how many of these songs hold up, you know, hold out for I'm like, holding out for a hero. If you turn this on in my house, every member of my household from nine years old up to me at 45 will be on the floor singing and dancing along with the song and losing our minds. It is so good. This song's amazing. It's on the tightrope to being over the top. It's wonderful, and it plays so well in the movie. Yes. It's during the tractor scene. Right. Where they're playing chicken with the tractors, and Ren, his shoelace is caught. Yep. He can't get his foot loose. <laughs> oh, you went there. I love it. I love it. This uh, song was written by Jim Steinman and who, Dean Pitchford. Right, who we've talked about before in the Def Leppard episode. Yes. Jim Steinman was the guy that they hired when Mutt Lang couldn't do it. And he was the one that they were, he was like, all right, that sounds good. And they're like, wait, we haven't even warmed up yet. He had done Bad Out of Hell, which we talked about back then. And he had done a lot of stuff with Bonnie Tyler. All right, everybody, I just want to formally invite you to come over and listen to our side project, the podcast full of kryptonite, with Mr. John Reed from the 30-something movie podcast, and of course, you and me, D. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, we are the Super Friends. That's right. We cover the TV show Superman and Lois. We go over every episode. We have a great time, and John knows so much about Superman. It's amazing. If you love Superman, or even if you don't, and you just want to learn more, come check it out. And if you haven't watched Superman and Lois yet, you need to right now crawl out of your fortress of solitude and turn the tv on <laughs> podcast full of crypt today faster than the speed of night i mean that's yeah huge yeah, absolutely i mean she was an icon of the 80s as well who i, I love i love her her voice. voice is killer yeah okay here's something you may not know when they brought in jim steinman and they were writing the song he started saying hey i got something to show you on the keyboard he's pounding it out right mm -hmm. and he literally was playing so hard that his fingers started to bleed oh wow and so he's just, Dean Pitchford says he's just pounding the crap out of the, out of the keyboard. Yeah. And there's blood all over the keyboard. Uh -huh. And Dean Pitchford's like, this guy's freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 
yeah, that's, I mean, I can see it. I mean, with this song is so intense. It's like the, the galloping of a horse, right? It's, it's the white knight riding up to save the day. It's the Superman. Too good. It's Too good. good. This song is, well, the lyrics are awesome. The music is awesome. And it lasts. I mean, you put this song out right now. Well, I'm going to listen. They showed her the movie because they wanted her to sing it with a sense of urgency. Uh-huh. And I think that comes across. Oh, yeah, totally. I put the mountains meet the heavens above. I draw the lightning strikes the sea. I could swear there is someone somewhere The immediacy of the song is perfect in every way. Okay, I've got to play you something. This blew me away in the same way that we talked about during our Bon Jovi episode uh-huh. when Desmond Child had written Parts of Living on a Prayer, but he plucked them from other songs that he had done previously. Yes. So Jim Steinman had a solo album called Bad for Good, and there's a song on there called Stark Raving Love. You ready for this? Yes. All right, here's the beginning. <laughs> Well, identical. Identical. Identical until you get to the, the voice. Until you get meatloaf and you can take a right turn right there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's spot on. And that came out in 81. So just, I mean, they're recording the songs to this in 83. So that was just two years before that he had put that out. Yeah, but we talked about how, you know, you think you've got a good idea and maybe it doesn't hit for whatever reason. And you think, I don't care. This is still good. Like, I, this is better then it received. And so he pulls it out again, dusts it off and says, eh, I'm going to try this again with Bonnie Tyler. Yeah. And they tried the song again, only four years later in the movie Short Circuit 2. <laughs> I know, right? Does everybody remember that, right? I mean, that movie so bad that Steve Gutenberg wouldn't even do it. <laughs> <laughs> it was also in Shrek 2. Yeah, that's right. Now that one actually was pretty good. I liked that they had a, a different singer. It was Jennifer Saunders. But, you know, having kids in the early 2000s, yeah. I was very familiar with that. And, yeah, she did a good job with that one. This, yeah, it was good. It was yeah. very good. Uh, this song was released April 13th, 1984. This only reached number 34 in the U.S. Are you kidding me? That's nuts. Okay. That is nuts. I, I'm spiking the football, as you say. Mm. Best song, short of Footloose. Best song in the whole album. Okay. All right. Hey, I've got I've got deep cuts for you, okay? Okay. All right. There's a cover version of this song that was made for the TV series Cover Up in 1984. It was sung by Miss E.G. Daly. She played Dottie in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, okay. Okay. We done with this one? Yep. All right, everyone. That's it for Hold Now for a Hero. Hit stop on your tape player. Kick it out. Flip it over. First song on side two, Dancing in the Sheets. Okay, so it's interesting that, I mean, you've said this on almost every episode that we've had that's musical, but I can remember hitting stop on my tape player and flipping it over to hear this song. And I love dancing, doing my break dancing to this song 
right here, which is why it's the perfect song for the prohibited dancing that's going on at the local drive-in. That's the scene from the movie where Ariel puts the tape in and everybody starts dancing along while they're playing video games or eating French fries <laughs> or whatever to this incredibly good song. Yeah, she pulls out the boombox in the movie, hits play on her tape player on the boombox, and the whole place, including the girls in the bathroom, are jamming out to this song. And it's a little bit naughty. You've got the dancing in the sheets that implies not just dancing's going on. This is exactly why I said <laughs> we should be dancing. <laughs> Oh, a song about fornication. And the, and that scene is great because John Lithgow's character, Reverend Shaw Moore, shows up and he hits stop on the tape player. He doesn't say anything. She's just awed and shocked. Oh, my dad is here. and I'm going to be in big trouble. And he says, your mom thought you'd run out of money. So here's some cash for you. And it's almost like, oh. It's more gut-wrenching, It is right? more gut-wrenching. He doesn't yell at her. He doesn't say any <clears throat> condemnation of her but you see it in his face. Yeah, it's a heart-wrenching scene. Yep. Yeah. All right, here's what I know about Shalimar. Okay, okay? I've got yes. I've got a little bit some uh, just very few facts on Shalimar. Well, there aren't very many facts uh-huh. I have. Here's the one thing that I found interesting about Shalimar. All right. Jody Watley used to be in Shalimar. Right. She had a bunch of big hits in the late 80s including uh-huh. Looking for a new love and don't you want me and some kind of lover. I mean, she was a big, big player, but she left Shalimar right before they recorded this song. Do you know who Shalimar's number one fan was? No. The thriller himself, Mr. Michael Jackson. Wow. He was a big fan of Shalimar. Well, okay. So the producer, Dean Pitchford, you know, wrote this song with Bill Wolfer. Bill Wolfer is the guy who played the keyboard and synthesizer on Billie Jean. Yeah, there's some connection there. Yeah. So Shalimar was one of those um, executive creations, not quite a boy band, but in that kind of same vein. There was a concert promoter named Dick Griffey, and he decided to put together some studio musicians who were really good. And then he got together with a guy named Don Cornelius, who had created Soul Train, and they had some good dancers. You put these dancers who are really good with these musicians who are really good, and that's how you get Shalimar. Yeah. It's dangerously close to Millie Vanilli, although these guys do sing their own stuff. <laughs> right. Um, right. One of the guys, I mentioned that Michael Jackson was a big fan of Shalimar. Uh-huh. One of the original members of Shalimar, his name is Jeffrey Daniel. They got to be on the British Top of the Pops show, and that's when Michael Jackson saw him and thought, man, this guy's awesome. I need to get him as my choreographer. And that's how he got the job as the choreographer for Michael Jackson's Bad Video. Oh, wow. All right, let's move on to the next song, the second by Kenny Loggins. It's a song called I'm Free, Heaven Help the Man. It's a good beginning. Dude, I'm spiking the football on this one. You're saying this is the this best? This is my favorite song on the entire album. Oh, wow. That's solid, bro. Man, I love all the songs, but this one just has that energy and that great chorus and the children chorus singing, I'm free. Yeah. I love it.
I, it'd be interesting. You know, you pointed out last episode that in Purple Rain, you don't go more than 10 minutes without a song coming in. It'd be interesting to check that out as far as Footloose goes. Uh, yeah. Because you've got a couple of different montage scenes of things happening and there's always music behind it. And we know the song was built on the soundtrack. So it'd be interesting to see how long you go in the movie without hearing music. I it, bet it's not very long. I, I bet, bet it's kind of the same minutes. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And this song is actually used as that swell of emotion when, when Ren wins the argument at the town council. So anyway, yes, this song was released February 14th, 1984. Yeah. Reached number 22 in the okay. Hot 100. I mean, another hit. Yeah, another hit. And this one's... This one is seems to kind of encapsulate what's going on with the movie, like the fact that you're you're the character is beaten down by this kind of ridiculous restrictive idea, and he breaks free. Right? He he conquers it. He conquers his fear, which leads him to conquer the opposition, and they get their wish. And finally, I'm free. Let's talk about the music video. Of this one for just a second. Okay. And so this one's about Kenny Loggins breaking out of prison, mm-hmm. and then he meets a gang, like a street gang, and he has a picture of his girlfriend. He's looking for his girlfriend. His girlfriend in the video, Virginia Madsen. Wow. Yeah. Wow. She looks great. She, you know, she's young she and major babe in the 80s. What, what, what movie was she in that we talked about? She was in Highlander 2. Highlander 2. That Highlander was 2. You said that was the best part of the movie. That's it. Virginia Madison. That's it. That's it. So here's an interesting thing. Like this. Okay, so this movie came out in 84. Yes. Dean Pitchford in 86 or so is going to speak at this film festival. He gets picked up at the airport by this kid who obviously, you know, he's trying to work in the industry. So he's done his research and talking to him about Footloose. And he's like, you know, it, and I love how it's kind of autobiographical. And Dean Pitcher's like, <laughs> what do you mean? He goes, well, like, you know, you were from Honolulu and then, you know, you had to move out to Kansas City, Missouri. And Dean Pitcher's like, wow. It was kind of autobiographical. <laughs> I didn't even realize. Oh, that's great. Because he had moved from, you know, I mean, imagine the difference between Honolulu and Kansas City, Missouri back in the 60s. Awesome. All right, moving on. Song number seven on the album. This song is called Somebody's Eyes. Okay, wait. Before you push play, let's listen to the first beat of the song, the first measure of the song. Okay. Thinking about, let's hear it for the boy and the fact that it's the exact same beat. And go. There it is. That's it. That's it. That's crazy. It's I can't believe I never realized that before. Identical beat, but the songs are so different. They have totally different tone. Oh yeah. This is this is a sad song. This is not this is not what you want for the guys learning how to dance. This is, you know, she's depressed and she's wandering the streets and such. This is a song about Ariel can't get away because everybody's got their eyes on her. She can't break free because somebody's always watching her. This is not, let's hear it for the boy and learn how to dance. Right. 
but this is a great song. Oh yeah, fantastic song. I remember calling you whenever we first started listening to this album again and saying, I think this song would have been a mega hit had it not been surrounded by so many super ultra awesome mega hits. Right. Like this is a really good song, but it's just, it's kind of drowned out by being surrounded by so many good songs. Yep. This was also released in 1984. It reached number 16 on the adult contemporary chart. It's not bad. Yeah, a very respectable position. And this was used to pace the dance songs, like we said before. Yeah, this is a, this is a song that I could see parents listening to more than the kids. Yeah. This was a skipper for me when I was playing the tape, for sure, though. Well, my mom I- loved this song. I like it a little better now that I'm older, but it's still probably it's still going <laughs> to... In the musical, this song is sung by Rusty. Yeah, it's a different dynamic, and they changed the words a, li- a little bit, too, and it's more a plot point in the musical than it is in the movie. Yeah, good song. Song sang by Carla Bonoff. She's still doing stuff. She's still touring and and doing stuff. She's more like, I think, has more made more of her career being a songwriter. She's done a ton of work for other folks, but she's still performing, doing great stuff. Okay, are we ready for the next one? We better be. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The next song is called The Girl Gets Around. This is a rocker by the Red Rocker, rockinest rock rock, rockety rock song (laughs) on the album. Yeah, this was my introduction to Sammy Hagar. Oh, really? I didn't know who he was before this song. Yeah. Well, this is, and it's perfect. It's again perfect. This is the second song that you have in the movie, and it's the point where we're telling you Ariel is the wild preacher's daughter, right? At first lines of the song, well, she'd like you to think she was born yesterday with her innocent looks and her little town ways. When she smiles at me, she's got angels in her eyes. But I've seen how she moves, and this girl really cooks. She taught me some tricks you can't learn in books. (laughs) (laughs) This is played when she crawls out of the car, and she's standing with her foot on one car and her foot on her boyfriend's car, and they're going full speed ahead at a semi. Yes. Right? And she's a psycho on wheels at this point. I'm like, what is what is Ren doing chasing this girl? And then they defy the laws of physics somehow. <laughs> the evil boyfriend manages to pull her entire body in in a seating position from her ankle. <laughs> he grabs her pinky toe and pulls her in. <laughs> Great song. Total rocker. I mean, the, the variety that we have on the soundtrack mm-hmm. is is really great. You've got rock songs. You've got dance songs. You've got ballads. You've got pop gold. You got it all. You really do. There's all kinds of music to appeal to all kinds of audiences in this one. And it's all just hook after hook after hook. Now, this one didn't. This one didn't get released as this a single. This is the only one that did not get released as a single. Which is kind of crazy. I mean, if if it had been, it probably would have been in our sights more than it is. But just the fact that it didn't get released probably is why we don't remember it from the album. Yep. Right after this one, we have I Can't Drive 55. And then another year joined, or so later. Joined a band. What was that called? Yeah. Band. Band. Yeah. Roth. Something or other. Yeah. 
And then, of course, in 1985, he joins Van Halen. Flashback to our Van Halen, Van Hagar episodes. Okay, another great song. I'm not skipping it. No. In fact, I'm turning it up. Yeah, you're crawling out the window. I'm crawling out the window, (laughs) and I've got my hands up looking at the semi like, (laughs) All right, last song on the album. This song is called Never. Okay, this song was played during the Rage Dance. This is the Rage Dance song. The Punch Dance. Punch Dance! (laughs) (laughs) This is the scene where you had to have four different body doubles for Kevin Bacon because he's dancing better than he can dance and doing gymnastics. Better than he can do gymnastics and is physically stronger and better built than Kevin Bacon actually was. But... Again, huge memorable scene. It's been parodied multiple times in different places. The song is performed by a band called Moving Pictures. Yeah, they're an Australian band. Yeah, apparently they never got paid any money for this song. This is a really sad story. Yeah, the lead singer, Alex Smith, said, we were just the lowest part of the food chain. We got gobbled up by companies and people that suddenly stopped existing. And when we asked where our money was, yeah. The things you get talked into doing anyway. Yeah, we got to record at Sound City and the record plant, but a couple of bucks would have been nice. Hence, we never play this song. They didn't get any money for this. No royalties? Are you kidding me? That's kind of On an album of this size? Yeah. Yeah, the guitarist said, we performed it. It was written by the guys that made the movie, and we got nothing from it. Someone made a lot of money out of the song, but it wasn't us. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. And I don't blame him for never playing the song. Yeah, no. And I haven't heard other songs by this band, but he's got a stellar 80s sound to his voice, and the beginning of the song is... Very, very 80s with that synthesizer. It's it's a great song. And I mean, the, the memorableness of the song obviously comes from the scene in the movie, but it's still powerful. Yeah, it's good. In, in fact, there is a Japanese version of this song uh, recorded by the singer M.I.E., which apparently she's a pretty big deal. I don't know who she is, but... Also Japanese. She's Japanese, which is probably the reason why I don't know anything about her. <laughs> But uh, it was a big success in Japan. Uh, took the song, changed the lyrics, and uh, made it Japanese. Cool. Okay, so that finishes up the track list. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of songs that we didn't talk about that are actually in the movie that I think are worth mentioning. We should at least mention them. Okay. So you've got Hurt So Good by John Cougar Mellencamp. Huge. Big, big song. Yeah. I don't know why that was in the movie, not on the soundtrack. Probably because it was on his album that he wanted to sell a lot of. Probably. Just his album and not their album. Yep. Then you also have I've Been Waiting for a Girl Like You yep. by Foreigner, right? which we talked about was originally kind of slotted where the Almost Paradise song was supposed to go in. Uh-huh. Then you have Bang Your Head by Quiet Riot. Metal Health, yes. They take the tape away from Ren and give him a flip in the chin, telling him he better watch his attitude. <laughs> <laughs> that song is not on the soundtrack anywhere. Quiet Riot was huge in 1984. Yeah, I can remember having that album, having the LP on that one. Oh, nice, the yeah. LP. Yeah, him in a leather straight jacket with the metal yep. you know, Dr. Doom face on. Okay, I'm going to throw this at you. This is going to blow your mind. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I listened to the audio commentary, and I felt like this is like the evil stepchild that they locked in the basement. They don't tell anybody about. Okay. But there was a Footloose rap song. Okay, we talked about the diversity on oh, this album. Wow. Okay, so. 
there is a rap that Kevin Bacon actually performs in the movie, and you can see him do it. Okay? Now, you got to look closely, but it's right after the town council meeting. So they have the victory at the town council, uh-huh. and the next scene is they're riding motorcycles. Okay. Okay? And you can see, if you look closely, Kevin Bacon is clearly mouthing words. That was where that rap was going to be. But the producer and Dean Pitchford watched the movie, and they hated it so much, they went to Herbert Ross. You know, Herbert Ross is a stubborn guy. Yeah. And so Herbert Ross is like, what's wrong? He's like, well, I don't really want to say. And he's like, well, go ahead. It's fine. And he's like, the rap. I can't handle the rap. And he's like, okay, well, then it's out. Hmm. So Herbert Ross was like, okay, fine. But if he had gone in like pounding the fist, like, you got to take this rap thing out. It sucks. Yeah. Herbert Ross would be like, no way. I'm not. So they pulled it. So it's out. I can't find it. I can't see it. I can't listen to it. But if you watch that part in the movie, you can see him. Mouthing the words. All right, dear Shirley fans, now my interest is peaked. If anybody out there knows the rap that was supposed to go in Footloose, we got to know what that is. Lay it on us. Yeah. You can find us on Facebook at Shirley Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Shirley Podcast. Come back next week where we will do part two of this comparison, looking at possibly the best album of the entire decade of the 80s. If you like the 80s, you've got to come back next week where we talk about Purple Rain track by track. That's a mighty long time, but I'm here to tell you there's something else. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.